when I joined Vivint, our affiliate program probably counted accounted for about you know ten percent of overall digital marketing spend. And so it was it was pretty small. In fact, it might have even been closer to like five percent. Now, looking at today, it's probably closer to thirty five percent. Wow, so really? It, it scaled dramatically during the seven years I've been here. And then on top of that, if you look at just what's the percentage change in annualized affiliate driven sales mm -hmm. uh, seven years ago versus today, it's about 900% um, as far as wow. the difference. It's, a, it's been a dramatic growth engine for this company. And I think that we still have a lot more to go. Like I, I still think that there's, there's more opportunity that we haven't tapped into yet. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Ecom Life with John and Brian. I actually have a huge treat today. I have my good friend, Zach Bitsoy. Zach is the, uh, what's your title? I, I should have gotten this. I didn't know if you're the director of affiliate marketing or um, if you're some kind of fancy VP now, but what, what's your title there at Vivint? Yeah, so I'm the director of affiliate marketing at Vivint. There, Yep. that was right. Cool, man. And we're so happy to have you. As you, uh, as you guys know, we talk everything from uh, Facebook ads, affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is actually something we're really big on here at Quadra. And uh, we're excited to uh, have Zach for him to share his knowledge on affiliate marketing. He's got a cool journey on how he got into this. So, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, listen, man, I, you know, I obviously know a little bit of your background, but um, affiliate marketing just seems like one of those things that you don't really, I don't think you go to school to, to become an affiliate marketer. So give us kind of a background of like, where did you go to school? How did you get into, how did you land in affiliate marketing? Yeah. Well, I went to college at Idaho State University and BYU-Idaho. And when I was at BYU-Idaho, I applied for a PR internship at a skincare company called Murad based in Los Angeles. There. And nice. they actually declined work, my. Then, huh? What's that? I was saying internships work, huh? Um, well, in this case, uh, <laughs> the story was a little different than I expected it to be. So they told me no on the PR internship, and they said, "Hey, we actually Ooh. have a digital marketing internship that you might have interest in. You want to pursue it?" And so I said, "Yeah, let's give that a shot." Um, when nice. I got there, I learned about uh, the concept of affiliate marketing and how Murad cool. was executing that kind of um, program within their company. And it piqued my interest because I was like, well, this is kind of cool because you're de-risking this situation where you're paying third-party marketers a commission mm -hmm. on meaningful yeah. interactions. And uh, yeah. that was my first exposure to it. So, That's cool. So um, when you started out, I think this was before kind of the whole influencer marketing thing, right? Where you just straight... Yeah working affiliate relationships. So what was your role initially with your internship? Yeah, so my role, it, it encompassed a variety of digital marketing channels, which included affiliate marketing. Um, mm -hmm. And once I finished the internship, you know, I graduated from BYU-Idaho and then Murad knocked on my door after my graduation saying, hey, do you want to mm -hmm. come back and join us? Mm -hmm. And when I joined them, uh, it was the same kind of thing. I went back in as, hey, I'm, I'm being involved with paid search, I'm involved with display advertising, I'm involved with affiliate marketing. And uh, it gave me good exposure to the to the broader ecosystem. And it kind of helped get my foundation set. So. Okay. 
So what drew you initially to affiliate marketing? I, you mentioned, you know, the fact that you don't have to, uh, it's kind of that low risk kind of transaction, right? Where you're not paying for ads, but was there anything specifically that you enjoyed about it early on? Um, well, part of it seemed like fate, right? Cause I, I didn't have any mm -hmm. concept of what affiliate marketing was before my internship. And then afterwards, mm -hmm. Uh, I was very interested in it because you could work with some of the best marketing minds in the world and you mm -hmm. could work with affiliates that specialize in a variety of marketing channels. And to mm -hmm. some extent you could, um, you could basically have affiliates execute a marketing mix that is very cohesive and, mm -hmm. uh, incremental to your in-house campaigns. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the interest was peaked, but then it really grew as I took my first full-time role after college. So, okay, sweet. Yeah. And so after after you were done with that first company, well, wh where'd you go next? Uh, well, you know the next company I went to very well. So oh, I nice. Um, which is I where do you know that company. Well. You. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I managed their... So UK2 Group is a web hosting company and mm -hmm. they're basically the parent organization of several subsidiary brands. And mm -hmm. I managed affiliate programs for each of those respective brands when I was at that company. Mm -hmm. um, I was there for about two years. And then afterwards, um, I pivoted from that role to where I'm at now, which is Vivint. Mm -hmm. so, cool. Just going back to UK2 real quick, you know, because um, we're going to have people listening here that... <laughs> Oh, I thought you were smiling. You, I'm not going to bring up any uh, stories from that time. That could be entertaining, <laughs> though. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, one of the challenges I know for you was uh, the fact that this is a multi-brand uh, company, right? We had several brands under one, one, uh, one company. What was the challenge there from an, an affiliate uh, management perspective? of uh different brands that had different you know they were in different categories they had different brand uh positioning in the marketplace what was the what was the challenge there in creating a cohesive you know affiliate program for for a company that had several brands like that yeah i think some of it as you know i mean we had our internal challenges with mm -hmm. uh, different stakeholders as far as their opinions on which brands were mm -hmm. more valuable um mm -hmm. but as far as like the execution of affiliate programs when you're trying to manage multiple at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, some of it just goes back to understanding the margins for each respective offering, mm -hmm. right? And so I consulted a lot with UK Two Group's finance team to understand what uh, what margins we had to work with and mm -hmm. where we could potentially increase commission rates to generate meaningful volume from our affiliate partners. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to base things more on facts instead of conjecture. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that was, uh, I guess, sometimes perceived as as somewhat controversial to, to people who mm -hmm. may have worked there at the time. But mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, it was still it was still a lot of fun and we did have a lot of success there. But like you said, mm -hmm. it was a broad spectrum of offerings. You had shared hosting services, you had mm -hmm. VPS, mm -hmm. you had dedicated servers. Mm -hmm. um, I think when it comes to dedicated servers, that was a little bit challenging because uh, it wasn't always apparent what the value propositions were. 
And uh, on top of that, it's hard to find affiliates that really understand that product offering in a way that they mm. can pitch it effectively. So that one was was always a little bit of a, I don't know, I look back on that and wish I would have focused a little bit more there. So. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that kind of like um, recruiting and working with the right kind of affiliate for your brand. But before I do that, I'm just interested in, you know, you obviously work for a very large, successful brand um, there at Vivint. Um, what would you say was, was the challenge of going from, say, a smaller company like, well, you know, a relatively smaller company in UK2 with a smaller affiliate program to actually a bigger affiliate program and a company with a Vivint? What, what were some of your challenges or differences that you noticed in, in, in that um, transition? It was a big transition for me. So pre-Vivint, I had zero experience mm -hmm. with lead generation or call generation. And so all of my experience was e-commerce based. When I joined mm -hmm. Vivint, uh, their affiliate program was predicated on uh, form submissions and inbound mm -hmm. calls. And yeah. so I didn't understand that environment very well. And it mm -hmm. took me a while to understand the mechanics of how you would operationalize those kind of campaigns. But then on top of that, a lead generation based affiliate program is inherently more risky than an e-commerce based affiliate program. Really? So Can you go into that? Sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah, interested in knowing why. why, 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 why is it riskier for a lead generation versus a, I mean, I feel like I know, but I'm curious to see here what your take is. Why would it be um, a higher risk for lead generation versus uh, an e-commerce transactional uh, affiliate relationship? Yeah, it's far more risky um, on the lead generation side because you need to have proper documentation around the consent that you're gathering to dial someone's mm. phone number. And so, oh, anytime a user that's fills super out interesting. Yeah, so anytime a user fills out a lead form, you need to have proper express written consent language presented to them. But on top of that, uh, you also need a mechanism that allows you to substantiate that that user saw the consent language in real time. Otherwise, mm -hmm. what you'll find is that it's one thing to be compliant and it's another thing to prove compliance. And there are people mm -hmm. out there who are serial litigators that want to sue companies that call them if they can't prove that proper express written consent language was presented to them. Wow. Um, that's and crazy. So, Can you get into into how you guys do that a little bit? Sorry to interrupt. I, there's a little bit of a delay. Yeah, uh, I'm just curious how you go, get into that because that's a. I didn't even think about that to be honest with you. I thought you meant more like you know the transaction takes place and you get the funds and it's a little bit more straightforward with a CPA right uh, transaction versus a lead gen transaction. So yeah, t talk a little bit about that. What do you guys do to 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 kind of prove, prove your, prove the, what, what the, I, I can't think now, but to prove that you're, you're able to call the compliance, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So we have some checks and balances in place right now. So what happens is, you know, I'll jump on a call with a prospective affiliate partner and we'll talk through uh, the lead flow that they have in mind for their uh, respective campaign. And mm -hmm. If they say, hey, I want to drive traffic to Vivint.com, then we have a lot of risk eliminated from the process because on mm -hmm. Vivint.com, we have proper express written consent language. 
we have all the timestamps of when someone submits their information. We have a lot of documentation on that process. Now, uh, that doesn't always happen. What, what will happen a lot of times is an affiliate will say, hey, I want to host the lead form on my domain and I want to mm. post lead data to you via an API. Mm. Mm. And that's mm. where we need to have some checks and balances in place to ensure that we have proper compliance measures in place. So what we'll say is, hey, if that's the case, then here's the consent language that you need to feature on your lead form. It needs to be prominently displayed. And then on top of that, we need you to integrate your lead form with a third party solution that's either Jornaya or Trusted Form. Those are two solutions that allow Vivint to view visual playbacks of the user's engagement with the third party lead form. And so what will happen is they'll integrate their lead forms with one of those two solutions and they'll post lead data to Vivint via an API. And then Vivint can do real-time validation on uh, the lead post that they send us. So we could say, hey, does it have a Jornaya or Trusted Form certificate? If it does, uh, let's authenticate it. And so mm -hmm. our tracking solution will make an API call the Jornaya or Trusted Forms uh, server and say, hey, is this an authentic uh, certificate value? If it is, then we'll accept the lead and we'll route it to our CRM so that our call center can dial it. If, it, if it's not and it's an inauthentic certificate, we'll reject mm -hmm. the lead in real time and it never reaches our sales floor. And so therefore there's no risk to us because we're not dialing it. So- Wow, um, that's crazy, man. I had no idea. Yeah, so I mean, it's a little bit of a complex journey, but at the same time, like those are prerequisites in order for us to, to launch mm -hmm. someone if they're gonna host a lead form, so. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for walking us through this. I, I, listen, I know I, this question, I don't know how detailed you can answer it, but I, you know, obviously, um, affiliate marketing is so, um, uh, it's so great for any business that wants to get out there and not only generate leads or sales. I'm just curious, what part of your marketing mix or what, what how, is there a way for you to determine how much of your business comes from your affiliate marketing program? Um, or are there any details on that you can give us like uh, per percentage of sales? I, I'm just trying to give everyone an idea and and and, uh, and motivation to start an affiliate program. So that's why I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing just kind of the percentage of sales or how much how, how big of an impact does affiliate marketing have for a company like Vivid? Yeah, um, I'm happy to share some high level percentages. So, you know, when I joined Vivid, um, our affiliate program probably counted accounted for about, you know, 10% of overall digital marketing spend. Mm -hmm. and so it was, it was pretty small. In fact, it might've even been closer to like 5%. Wow. Um, now looking at today, it's probably closer to 35%. Wow. So really? It's it scaled dramatically during the seven years I've been here. And then on top of that, um, if you look at just, hey, what's the annualized, what's the percentage change in annualized affiliate driven sales mm -hmm. uh, seven years ago versus today? It's about 900% um, as far as wow. the difference. It's, a, it's been a dramatic uh, growth engine for this company. And um, I think that we still have a lot more to go. Like, I, I still think that there's 
there's more opportunity that we haven't tapped into yet. So, man, that's amazing. Well, it's a testament to you. You've always, you know, you're a great affiliate marketing manager and director. So kudos to you there. How, how do you scale a program like that? You know, you mentioned, you know, 35% of your spend goes there. Is that, is that just more staff to reach out to more affiliates? What, what are the, what are the pieces that you've put in place to scale a program like that? Or is it yeah, just, just, get, just more affiliates, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit um, nuanced when it comes to lead generation. So some of it is going to be predicated on the tracking infrastructure that you have in place. And so when I joined Vivint, we had a lot of broken processes and there were a lot of uh, leaks in the bucket as far as uh, how we were uh, capturing leads and how we were dialing leads. And so there's a lot of stars that have to align in order to maximize yield on each opportunity. Um, so we started working with a company called Leadspedia in 2019. And they are, you know, again, this is a biased opinion, but in my opinion, they are uh, the best lead and call tracking solution in the marketplace. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. At the time when we onboarded them, uh, they were super agile and building out custom workflows for us and a lot of integrations um, with solutions that would allow us to mitigate compliance risk. So I, I talked about Jornaya mm -hmm. and Trusted Form earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Those solutions are integrated with Leadspedia. Mm -hmm. But there's other um, intelligence tools that are built into that platform that have allowed us to scale workflows and just uh, streamline mm -hmm. onboarding. So. For us, that's been a huge piece. Um, I haven't really grown my team a whole lot in the last seven years. Interesting. Honestly. Wow. Like we have, I have two people working beneath me. And if you were to rewind the clocks seven years ago, uh, that's basically one extra person on the affiliate team in seven years. So, uh, I mean, it's, wow. we've had a lot of growth, but a lot of it has been a byproduct of proper processes. So, it, yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah, just, uh, getting the, the systems and the software in place to scale. That's, I wasn't expecting that answer. I figured it was just more rec recruitment of affiliates, getting more people to, um, you know, recruit affiliates, but yeah, it's streamlining the process and software. That, that's so really, that's, that's an interesting cool point, though, that you bring up, like recruitment is big, but when you do work for a bigger company, like a Vivint, for example, mm -hmm. uh, recruiting is not quite as imperative as it once was. So at UK2 Group, mm -hmm. I had to scrap for everything, right? Like I had to mm -hmm. reach out to multiple mm -hmm. entities daily and try to make something happen. But at mm -hmm. Vivint, we have so many entities that reach out on a regular basis wanting to work with us. It's mm -hmm. more about the vetting process and it's more about the onboarding process. And so yeah. it's, it's a different dynamic and it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you need to make sure that uh, your house is in order in order to capitalize on those opportunities, which which is why we've done what we've done. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. I guess for you guys, it, recruiting isn't as a big factor because just of the name. Um, I just want to transition a little bit. I, I really appreciate you talking about your experience there. I think that was super valuable. It, it helps us uh, as I'm thinking about our own affiliate program, um, some of the things that we need to implement and put into place. But um, let's say you are a new company, you know, obviously we know that affiliate marketing can really move the needle for certain companies. Can you give us kind of like maybe three or three to five things that you would do if you were 
you're brand new to uh, to affiliate marketing, let's say you have an e-com brand that is just kicking off, popping off right now, and you want to include affiliate marketing, what what would be maybe three or three to five suggestions that you would give um, an e-com brand like that to to start their own uh, affiliate program? Yeah, I, I think there's a few prerequisites that are needed before you you decide to pursue an affiliate program. I think first it's it's building out an optimal um, an optimal flow, right? How do you maximize conversion rates? And so, whether that's consulting with with the CRO agency or hiring someone in house that has that expertise, I think building mm-hmm. that out is going to be imperative so that you can persuade affiliates to promote your offering without a proper um, consumer experience or user experience. It's going to be very difficult to persuade someone to to promote your your um, offering because they're going to know there's going to be breakage uh, in that process. So I think that's that's one piece of the foundation that needs put in place. The other piece is understanding. Um, Sorry, can I interrupt real quick, Zach, on that? Yeah. Uh, so and, and again, there's a delay here, um, but I'm curious. So are you talking like your funnel, like? You need to make sure your funnel's optimized for conversions before. So, as an as an you know, as an affiliate, let, put your affiliate hat on. I know you're not an affiliate, and I want to speak to this directly. Maybe you'll. And if I'm getting ahead of myself, you can let me know. But so I'm looking at this company's funnel, right? And I'm looking at it. what are the metrics that you're going to look at as an affiliate to to say, hey, this is worth it. Is it? I'm just curious what those metrics are. Do they want to see that you're spending ads that it's conversion converting at a certain clip with cold traffic? Can you give a little bit of insight into that? Yeah. So the golden affiliate KPI is going to be earnings per click or revenue per click. Mm -hmm. And so everything they do will ultimately lead to that metric. And that's what they're going to compare your affiliate program against when they're when they're evaluating opportunities. And so um, it's always good to have baselines on, hey, here's um, conversion rates when it comes to uh, Facebook traffic or paid search traffic Mm -hmm. or native advertising traffic. And so it's nice to have different baselines for each respective traffic type so that an affiliate is well-educated on what to expect if they were to generate similar traffic from a, a related source. Um, so that's definitely a a key piece is having some baselines in place that you can reference beforehand because ultimately for them, they're trying to figure out, Hey, is this revenue per click opportunity? Um, is it, does it stack up nicely against the other brands that I work with? Or does this just feel like too much of an opportunity cost? And maybe Mm -hmm. I shouldn't pursue it because of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Thanks for that insight. Yeah. So sorry, you can. You can go on to those next points. I just, I was just wanted to know as a, you know, an affiliate, what those KPIs are, and that was that was really great. Yeah. So I guess um, for so sorry I, I, I lied. One more point. So I guess first first things first is I think you have to prove out your funnel. You have to drive some cold traffic. You have to you have to figure out what your earnings per click are before you even kind of decide to to do that, right? Yeah. There's a lot of you know, affiliate marketing agencies or affiliate OPMs that strongly believe in 
building out your in-house marketing mix before tapping into mm-hmm. an affiliate program. I, I tend to agree with that assessment. It's always better to have some baselines and proxies to refer to beforehand. Um, doesn't always have to be that way, but generally it's helpful to have that established. So, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, you know, so I talked a little bit about, hey, let's make sure you have a refined funnel or user experience mm-hmm. on your site. The other piece is just going to come down to the tracking and infrastructure. And so you need to have a solid understanding of how to operationalize an integration with um, either a SaaS tracking solution or mm-hmm. um, an affiliate network like a commission junction or a share a cell or an AWIN. Like those are key networks that you can tap into in order to access large affiliate networks or large affiliate mm-hmm. portfolios. And so, um, it's always helpful to have someone that's competent at web development to execute those kind of integrations. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I find myself interacting with our development team on a regular basis because you need to have um, precise tracking in order to instill confidence that, you know, all the commissionable actions that are taking place are being accurately tracked and attributed to the right source. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Anything, anything else? So, you know, make sure your funnels in order, align yourself with the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I think the other piece too is, is understanding the current competitive landscape. So you want to, you want to find a relevant competitor who has an affiliate program and you want to see what they're paying their affiliates. That way you can have some, Mm -hmm baseline understanding of what payout would be viable and and what affiliates are likely going to expect from you. Mm-hmm. And so doing that legwork beforehand as well is helpful just so that you're not launching a commission rate that's that mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say it's laughable, but that's just not going mm-hmm. to generate any kind of meaningful traction. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think that's really good. And you need to know your own numbers too, your margins, right? You can't on the flip side, you can't promise, you know, uh, a $200 CPA if you're making a hundred dollars too, you know, so knowing your own finances. That's exactly it. I mean, at UK two group, um, I didn't know much about web hosting margins, right? So I, I Mm -hmm. couldn't really speak to the dynamics of the customer lifetime value or what we should pay an affiliate for, Mm -hmm. um, different types of web hosting services that, that their referred traffic would purchase. So that's why I consulted with the finance team there at UK2 Group was to better understand all of those intricacies. And then I could construct a commission rate that would be sustainable for the long term. In a similar mm-hmm. fashion at Vivint, you know, we're looking at lifetime value and we're saying, hey, um, what would make sense as far as a payout to an affiliate uh, based on the lifetime value that uh, we expect to receive. And, you know, again, we're constantly looking back on that, you know, every every quarter saying, hey, how has lifetime value been either decreased or increased? And if it's increased, can we allocate more funds to acquisition? If so, uh, what does that mean from an affiliate payout perspective? Um, so yeah, th- those are important discussions to have. Yeah, they really are, yeah. it's. I think what you brought up about lifetime value is huge because I think 
when you were saying that, I think a lot of times some brands get a little short-sighted. I don't know if that was you've seen that with brands you've worked with, but they don't look at the overall lifetime value, but just the transactional value of a, you know, of a sale. Do you find that there are brands that kind of focus more on that transaction versus the lifetime value, and are and are and are they missing opportunities if that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of companies are guilty of that. Um, and, you know, I'm not professing to be perfect at it either, but uh, it is important to look at lifetime value, especially if there's a recurring revenue component to the offering that you're selling, right? Mm -hmm. I and mean, that's just going to be uh, an element that you can't overlook long term. You might be able mm -hmm. to overlook it short term, but long term, you're eventually going to have to figure that out. So. Awesome. Cool. Well, just one last question before we. Uh, head out um you know i think one of the biggest challenges well actually maybe two questions but one of the biggest challenges a, a new affiliate uh marketing manager or a company that's trying to uh, start an affiliate program besides you know kind of the, the stuff you talked about the finances the the systems that you need in place is is affiliate recruitment especially when you're a new brand you don't have a name out in the marketplace you know how how can how can you start that recruitment journey and gain traction? Are there some strategies that a brand can use? I, I, I'm just talking a new a newer brand that they can use in order to recruit some decent affiliates. Can you kind of go into that a little bit as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's two things you can tap into pretty quickly. So first, uh, you know, I would strongly recommend attending a show like Affiliate Summit West where you can. Um, mm -hmm. You can meet with companies of all shapes and sizes and affiliates of all shapes and sizes and understand what the current ecosystem looks like. Um, on top of that, you know, Affiliate Summit West does a really good job at constructing an app that allows you to see all of the attendees of that particular conference. Mm -hmm. And you can filter yeah. based on the vertical that each of the individuals uh, operates in. Um, and it just allows you to pinpoint relevant prospects that you can speak with. So I think that's mm -hmm. that's almost a no-brainer. The cost of the show is around $300, so it's it's very inexpensive considering the, the networking opportunity. And then secondly, there are a lot of third-party tools that allow you to uh, pinpoint relevant affiliate partners. Right now, Vivint is using um, a tool called Grovia and what we do is we're just able to, to search um, for affiliates based on different keywords. And for example, you could search for like best home security system and you can see all of the uh, affiliate entities that have created articles related to that. But then you can also click on each of those entities and see points of contact that work for them. Mm -hmm. And then you can do your outreach to them based on that. So for us, uh, that, that tool has been money well spent. Um, we've, we've recruited numerous affiliates in that fashion, but, uh, yeah, that's a, those are good starting points. Lou, that's awesome. Um, just one other question when it comes to, you know, we know that influencers can be affiliates, right? And as the ecosystem grows, we have these platforms that are growing and content creators are just becoming a bigger part of that affiliate ecosystem. Do you have any strategies to that, um, to uh, attract and acquire uh, influencers as uh, affiliates and 
Secondly, just to go along with that, what are what are influencers looking for as far as an affiliate program? Are there certain types of affiliate programs that they are more drawn to? You know, so I know that was kind of a loaded question, but if you could go, get into that a little bit, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. Well, influencers have been, they have been a little challenging at Vivint. I'm not saying they've been unsuccessful, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that from what I've seen, it almost seems as if influencers are a little bit drawn towards consumer packaged goods or retail items that are a hundred dollars or less or less, mm-hmm. right? That feels oh, like a good spot okay. for many of those, um, mm-hmm. of those kinds of partners. So Vivint, um, we're, we're a very premium offering, as you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's, um, something that's not suitable for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who wants the best of breed home security system, they want to have, you know, smart home technology baked into the, the broader, um, system that they purchase. Like we're a great, a great solution for people in that, in that market. Um, we haven't found a ton of influencers who have wanted to um, to tap into that market. We've seen some that have been successful, but um, it's been harder for us to scale that. In contrast, mm-hmm. on the affiliate side, there's no shortage of marketers who want to promote that kind of offering. It's more a mm-hmm. function of, is there marketing tactic complementary to what we're doing in-house? And if so, mm-hmm. Can they agree to a compensation model that's viable? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would love to say I've cracked the code on influencers, but mm. um, it can be a little bit challenging. And some of them expect, you know, a sponsorship fee. They don't want to operate on a mm. performance-based model. They say, hey, pay me up front mm. and I'll create content for you, which may or may not produce the desired results that you're hoping for. So, mm-hmm. Kind of a hybrid affiliate slash yeah, content marketing strategy. Yeah, yeah the, and that's kind, of, that's kind of the direction that Vivint's gone now is instead of having them operate more on the affiliate side, it's been more around, hey, can you create content for us and we'll pay you X amount? And I think it's kind of a case-by-case basis that we're tapping into that. So That's cool. Do you guys, I know this isn't directly related to affiliate marketing, but do you guys use a lot of UGC for your uh, marketing? Is that is that something that Vivint's been looking at? Um. It's kind of hard with what, with your offering, you know, but I was just curious if we don't tap into it as much as you'd think, um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to utilize testimonials on any given campaign or to feature those on a landing page to help build credibility. But, you know, as far as the broader use case for UGC, like I just haven't seen as much there, but it's probably something we should, we should look at further. Mm-hmm. Okay, just it just seems to be kind of the hot thing right now, right? Everyone's yeah. everyone wants UGC, and it's driven a lot by TikTok. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really good. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on today. It's you know it's a rare opportunity to talk to uh, someone at your level working for a billion dollar company that runs their affiliate marketing program. I hope people have enjoyed it and taken some uh, some gold nuggets from that because you know I'm a firm believer that every Every company should be into affiliate marketing. I don't care if you're lead gen, e-com, or whatever kind of affiliate program. There's a huge opportunity for you to, to go out there and start that with your uh, program. So thanks again, Zach, for coming on today. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to, to
to having you work helping us with our, our stuff. We're gonna I still want to talk to you about that. So really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's great to chat as always, John. Um, I'll look forward to our future text messages as well and uh, just <laughs> updating, keeping you ourselves sure surprised of everything that's going on. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in to Ecom Life. You can, uh, if you like this episode, go ahead and uh, click the subscribe button, like it, um, and also let us know in the comments if it, if uh, an affiliate marketing program is something you, you want to try with your own brand. And um, yeah, give us a follow on all our socials. Just look up Ecom Life on any social that you're on, and we will be there. All right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll see you. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, John. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you liked it, could you do me a huge favor and like this video? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got tons of great content there. And if you want to connect with us on social media, check out the links in the description. And we look forward to seeing you there.